Faith in a Fresh Fried podcast. This is episode one of a two-part series with Drew Brown. It might be three. I'm recording this before I figure out because we have a three-hour conversation that starts off with this one. It's a conversation on worship. Drew Brown is a musician. He is a 12-time Dove Award winner. That is the Christian Grammys, as I... I don't know if that's correct, but that's what I call them for Canadians. So if you have been in contemporary Christian music, that scene, then you will know who Drew Brown is. Some of you may have sung his songs. If you're in the Ontario province, then perhaps you've even seen him live. We're very fortunate to have we, me, very fortunate to have Drew Brown. We're going to talk about defunding white churches. I'm I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. We joke about it. Our conversation actually starts off about reimagining neighborhood and what does community and our faith look like, ministry, within the context of local parish or local neighborhoods. After that, we challenge our common perceptions around Sunday services and why we put all the eggs in the Sunday service basket. That's not a good idea, especially with covid So we obviously recorded this one in the fall of 2020 in the midst of COVID. We have to reimagine what it means to gather, and that includes reimagining Sunday worship. Speaking of worship, we're going to spend some time, the bulk of our time, really deconstructing worship, which in the contemporary scene, contemporary Christianity, that means one thing, and that's music. We're going to try our best to challenge some assumptions around worship and, and reimagine what worship means. And that means deconstructing some of the old ideas and what is often a sacred cow for many communities. You might know I enjoy writing about dismantling uh, sacred cows in the worship scene. That used to be my M.O. in some ways, and some things I've written on my blog, rohattie.com, challenge notions and just call for an attempt for the most creative people in our congregations to do the work of creativity and, and reimagine what it means to envision worship in the context of local place and monuments and our own cities and our own communities. That'd be neat. Instead of singing the same songs from two bands, We might actually write some songs about our own people. Give us more country tunes and laments and blues and some jazz. I'd go to that church, yeah. Anyways, enough of me. I'm going to jump into this one. I already gave you the notes. And then in the next edition, stay tuned for our unpacking of what's happening in our world surrounding justice, anti-blackness, and the push towards something better. Here we go. Drew Brown, uh, my man who has the silky smooth voice. I could listen to you talk all day. Like, I think you should get a gig just narrating like golf. I would love something. I would love that. Dude. Just like a Sunday afternoon and you could just lull me into an afternoon nap. That's not it. lull, not lull. You could comfort me. That's right. That's right. Into an afternoon nap. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's just, uh, it's um, I'm out here in Ontario, and the weather is like we've had probably the best summer I've ever experienced in years. People are complaining. People are like, "It's so hot." Like, no, it's not, man. 
It's no, we like humidity is almost nothing. Uh, yesterday was sweater weather, which for me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit of a chubby guy. So for me, I'm in my glory. I'm, I'm in my glory, man. I can, I can, I can wear pants and like a, and like a sweater. Thank God almighty. You're so good. Where are you located? Because people are hearing, Oh, it, the weather is so great. And Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no more fancy. I'm, <laughs> I'm in a small town just uh, west of Toronto called Milton. It's one of the fastest growing communities uh, in North America. And that's actually legit. Um, and What's the population uh, of Milton. Uh, I think uh, last time they checked, which was about four years ago, is it was a hundred thousand. It used to be like a small town of like twenty before that. Yeah. Um, and then I think they are estimating that we are probably close to two hundred thousand. You so, are like, the GTA. Is that yeah, yeah. It does count. Okay. I think it does. I think it does. They always keep changing that <laughs> the borders for GTA. So I have no idea where we're at. Um, you say small town though, but I mean. Like in Alberta, small town means I drive for 45 minutes across the rolling prairie fields and then I hit a small town with a general store right. and tractors. And like I I've, I've, haven't been, but I've driven through Milton now recently and it's sort of like Toronto airport, yeah. blah, yeah. and there's nonstop you know, right. development. And then all of a sudden it's like Milton, oh, and that's the end of Milton. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's, so it's sort of like a, a, a subdivision almost. It strikes me as like this little, but but you're your own city? Own city um, because Mississauga kind of grew, kind of spread its wings towards us. Same with Oakville. We kind of like, we are, we kind of hover over Oakville, Burlington, Hamilton, and we are right beside Mississauga. And so as they grew up to meet us, um, we've been like, we better get our game up. You know? And so we've been building, actually we're building faster than the infrastructure can actually handle. So like tons of traffic all the time, the roads can't handle it. We're always in construction. It's, I think they are building, I can't remember the number. It's some ridiculous amount of homes each year. It's growing way too fast. I mean, a, it, it is what it is, but yeah. yeah. What's the number one export of Milton? Racism? Yes. <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it pretty? Uh, what's the demographics of, of Milton? Um, it's super multicultural. And that's only happened in the last, I would say, maybe eight years. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so there was a little bit of tension there. You know, like, oh, look at all these colored folk coming in and ruining our town. That was, you know, th there was that attitude for a long time. Um, and it's probably so, still there though. Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. You're probably right. And so even on my street, I think there's maybe two white families on my street. Oh. Um, and they are like Eastern European. I think the rest are um, uh, Middle Eastern or East East Indian. Um, there's a couple of like black families um, and there's a few Asian families. And so it's a very... And I think there's a couple like um, uh, South American families here too. So it's very, very mixed and wonderful. And um, so my focus here is trying to get people to learn to be amazing neighbors because hmm. for a while it was very much, you're there, I'm here, you're cool, but nah, I'm not going to talk to you. 
That's very uh, Canadian in many respects. It's that Unf mosaic, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah unfortunately. It's yeah. that mosaic where everyone gets their own p pain, right? That's right. A little, little piece in the pane of glass. That's right. But they don't mix. That's right. It's so, not the melting pot. Yeah, you know, I mean, both metaphors are screwball anyway, because it's totally. just a story. That's right. And so I'm trying to find ways that, hey, you know, let's, let's actually connect. Let's actually learn about who we are. Let's actually find a way to kind of, you know, meet each other on this bridge of difference and love each other in, in really cool ways. And so, you know, I do a few projects here in town just to kind of create a sense of community, a creative um, partnership, a creative, like, you know, just being neighborly with each other. Um, and those projects have gone really, really well. But I just moved into a new neighborhood where my projects are now obsolete because mm. they get it. Hmm. I remember the first day I moved in here just last month, um, there was a couple young young women, uh, maybe like early 20s. And they're like, hey, are you new to the neighborhood? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm brand new. I'm just living right here. Like, oh, get ready. This street is lit. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay, kids. <laughs> I like to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Did you keep it down? But, but they weren't kidding. I would, I would get home from like hanging out with some friends at like midnight. Everybody's on the street. They're sharing food. They're hanging out. They're like, like people are like, I've made the best butter chicken. No, I make the best butter chicken. I'm like, dude, you're Hungarian. Yes. And I made the best butter chicken. I'll prove you. Like, I'm like, this is awesome. Like they were just in each other's space and they're having fun and they're connecting and working together. And they make sure every family makes sure that the kids run the street. They own the street. And so they put stop signs at every, like, I don't know, every, like, 10 feet or 12 feet um, right in the middle of the road to make people slow down because they want the kids to have full control of everything, which I completely agree with. Let the kids run wild. There's something beautiful, but the kids are playing soccer in the street. Awesome. It's up to me to slow down, not up to them for them to move. <laughs> And so I like the fact that they want to be good neighbors to each other and they want to make sure that even in COVID land, they want to make sure that everybody is doing the best they can to maintain some sense of family and community. I think that is so awesome. It's, it's almost as if you're reflecting an inner city vibe, but Milton's not inner city of anything. Not at and all. So that's and really curious that you're, you're saying right. the street is acting yeah. like this family. Yeah. And you're totally right. Like I remember I grew up like in this, um, this sort of offshoot close to Jane and Finch in Toronto, which, um, you know, has amazing, there's a, it's this really, there's a really bad stereotype in Ontario about Jane and Finch where it's like yeah. this evil gang ridden yeah. place. Well, black and brown uh, people. Yeah, exactly. Need right? I say more? That's right. That's they're right. everywhere. They're <laughs> they're taking over. Um, <laughs> and and I remember when I was there, that's the way it was. Like kids owned it. Families would be, um, they'd be in each other's space, not in a weird intrusive way, but kind of like, hey, you know what? Sally needs this. Let's all make sure that she's she has whatever she needs, food wise, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, hey, this family, they're having some issues. They're, at, they're all trying to work together as one solid community, as one big family. Um, there's love, there's, there's, there's 
space for grieving together and helping each other out and feeding each other and watching each other's kids. Like, I don't know how many times I'd be like down the street at the neighbor's house. <laughs> I was a latchkey kid growing up. And so I'd be there. My mom will swing by. Hey, time to go home. Okay. I think they fed me more than my own mom did. Growing up. <laughs> I think that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, so yeah. Anyway, I think you're totally right. There's something about that that they seem to capture here. I've never seen anywhere else in a normal sub suburb area. Yeah, it's a suburb, and it's it certainly screams against the individualism that has been now a key artifact of our culture. Yeah, yeah. And for the longest time now, I think the church has been trying to revitalize itself in the neighborhood, back in that parish sort of space where Grandma's church operated. And yet, what we have is a lot of like you, I'm going to hazard a guess that it's not a church or a bunch of Christians who are spearheading just this movement of what it means to be a neighbor. And this is the thing. And I find that I'll be that guy. Be that I'll guy. Find, <laughs> I find that whenever churches do that or, or, or Christian organizations do that, it's always wrapped around, let's get them saved or let's bring the Jesus. Bring the church. I mean, that's the goal. Get them to service. Apparently. Um <laughs> Where I think, I'm like, no, let's let's just be a good neighbor. How can we be the best neighbors as we possibly can be? How can we just meet the needs of the people around us? Let's just focus on that. And I think that for me, that that's why I'm still hanging around the church because I think there's, I think if we can get that, then there's so much potential for good in this world. Oh, well, um, that's that's good. And I think it's shifting. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. Completely. I don't, uh, I don't see, so here's the thing. I think it's shifting in terms of being a good, you know, the neighborliness is, is getting sexy again. Yes. Yes. And the church is not at the forefront of that. Yes. We can co-collaborate now, but we're not at the forefront. But what it, what's stopping us is the engine, the mainstream church, evangelicals, Protestants, Catholics, and mainstream churches are still centered around service. Yes. And so those leaders are not going to decentralize these big boxes into these neighborhood hubs and then abandon service. <laughs> and then COVID hit. Yeah. <laughs> and then COVID hit. It's just like we didn't. I, so I, I wonder, and I mused about this on a, on a prior podcast, is I wonder what's going to happen now as a bunch of churches, uh, church members, mm -hmm. realize they didn't really need that Sunday service. Now, some of them, obviously, I mean, the connection point is, is the point, but did you really need 45 minutes worth of, of, of preaching? This is it. Oh did you really need the, how much, 45 minutes of singing? Oh my gosh. I like, didn't. And it's freeing for me to be uh, Sunday morning and to roll either with my neighbors or to roll with my family. And I wonder how that's going to cripple contemporary Christianity. Who cares? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> man. Defund I mean, the white evangelical church, dude. Just like, we don't need that stuff anymore. <laughs> and, 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 What's that? Hashtag what? <laughs> Defund white evangelicalism. I mean, it's the whole thing, right? Because all of evangelicalism is coming out of, of white evangelicalism. So defund the, wait a minute, who's funding it? So those people <laughs> not going to Sunday service anymore. Someone is going to have to pull the plug. Someone's going to have to pull the plug, man. I think... Yeah, just sort of decentralizing the Sunday thing. 
I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with, with us gathering on a Sunday. That's totally fine. But I think it doesn't need to be like that. It doesn't need to be the way that we've been doing it for so long. I think. Well, it's the pinnacle. It, it, <laughs> exactly. I guess right? the, it's the most important aspect, especially when for leaders, all their jobs are on the presentation of the Sunday service. That's right. That's, and that's and what right. else are you going to do? You're going to get paid <laughs> to love your neighbor? Well, you should, but you should get paid for it. I think there's so much power in taking that time and space and and putting it somewhere else. I think it's so beautiful to see some churches really roll with this idea of 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 what are we going to do? Like for me, it's not even about like reimagining church. It's actually like burning the idea down and building something new in its ashes. And I think that for me is exciting. It's it's going back to the idea of um, just being neighborly and being intentional. Um, we can't rely on the church to kind of manage our programs for us. Actually, now it's up to me to reach out um, and hopefully be open and honest with people as they do reach out to me and build those links and build those connections and, and, and stay in tune with people. Um, like I have... <laughs> I think I've, and I'm like a super loner, crazy introvert. I'm like, leave me alone world, peace, I'm out. I don't want to talk to anybody. But I find myself having better conversations with the people who are still in the faith now more than ever. Hmm. And I used to hate small groups with a passion. Dude, hey, you want to go to a small group? No. Leave me alone, please. Guess who's in a small group? This guy. Like a church one? Well, I mean. Churchy like, one? Christian one? You know, we, we all go to the same church. But no, we don't talk about the sermon. It's very yeah. much life. It's just life. And for me, like, for, like, most of my relationships are sort of, especially when I talk about, like, um, friendships and stuff like that, I always base around the pub. Yeah. Okay. I love pub life. I'm a pub life junkie. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the perfect church would be sitting around a table with a bunch of drinks and some food and just talking. Yeah. Most of my holiest of moments have mm-hmm. been with a drink in hand mm-hmm. around a table, around a fire, just talking about life. The most sacred and sacramental moments of my life have been that. Mm-hmm. 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 Never in the church. Never mm. while I'm leading worship on stage. It's all. <laughs> and no, no, that's good. I, 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 I echo that. You know Absolutely, because so, you feel that there's a depth there. Exactly. This is it. This is it. An honesty. So my favorite sermons have been with a with someone who might be slightly inebriated, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> but they have the like you know they know what they're talking about you know they know the Bible they know scripture they know people they know. They know, they know, you know what I'm saying? And they're just delivering amazing, amazing, amazing content. Sometimes for the first time, they're like, I have an idea. Maybe it's like this. And I'm just like, I I want this. This is what I want for my spiritual activities. (laughs) I mean, the, the challenge to that is, is why does it have to be so compartmentalized? What is it about the pub experience that? has become in moments so sacred and why can't that be encompassing in all aspects of life? And this is it brother. Why does it have to happen 
between 11 o'clock and 12.30 on a Sunday morning. I think that is a conception around compartmentalization that we have long left spirituality at the door on Sunday morning and, and we haven't <laughs> figured out how to live life. There it is, brother. Live life in the context of vulnerability and with safe people. Yeah. Hey, small groups. So that's maybe why. It lacked vulnerability <laughs> and it was insular and yeah. didn't have safe people. Yeah. That's a mischaracterization, I think, of small groups, but the the uh, the exclusivity of them, I don't think is. Right. It's a bunch right. of Christians who... I remember talking to a the associate of a megachurch here in the city, and he said it was an asset. It was an asset, an indicator of deep commitment that people had to drive 30 minutes to each other for a small group. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, hang oh. on. That's better to extricate people from their neighborhoods. That's better than if they could walk across the street to their neighborhood. And he had no frame of reference to see that incarnational presence, touch, feel, and walking to one another was better. I don't know, man. That's a cultural thing. And that's a generation, two generations now of church leaders who don't know any better. Like, yeah. honestly, you don't know any better, and to change what we have now, or what the mainstream church has now, that's daunting, scary. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to do that? It's going to cost you your job, maybe? Who's going to do awesome. that? Great. You know Dude. Bethel songs I need to sing on Sunday? And they're oh. really good. Stop. Just stop. They're really good. <laughs> Drew Brown, ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast here, that was just the intro. That was just a little taste. Oh you're the man. You're the man here because we got to go into into the formation of white evangelicalism to do a little deconstruction work here because you, Jew Brown, are the pinnacle of evangelical success. How many Christian <laughs> Grammys do you have? How many Christian Grammys do you have, and did they come with checks? Where are your Christian Grammys? Oh, they're in a box in storage somewhere. No, put them in the bathroom at least. <laughs> Downstairs bathroom. Oh, How many Christian Grammys oh. do you have? Uh, I think I have 12. Are you serious? Yeah. I was thinking two or three. No, yeah, I think I have 12. Does it come with money? No, I wish, dude. At I least wish. they you know, gave you some of those little tiny hot dogs. No, dude, not even like, not even like a swag bag of stuff. No, or no. not even like really cool, like you know, hors d'oeuvres in a in a, in a great <laughs> campaign. Or somebody something. did, and you <laughs> just weren't invited to that party. Obviously, <laughs> dude, Obviously. come on. It's what? it is. The, now, I, I, I'll say this, and you're gonna laugh because you're gonna think I'm just talking on my butt. But I really, truly love what is currently, currently happening with music in canada what with music in general or uh, in, in the christian music in christian okay okay yeah enlighten me because i have no frame of reference or concept oh, dude dude so i people i think are just done with um and this like every time i meet an artist they say the same thing we're sort of done with because okay um i'll let me back up um the american uh, Christian contemporary music scene has been running things for the last, whatever, 40, 50 years. Well, that's fine. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. They're the engine that makes everything happen. So, you know, if you're in the worship thing, you're doing the, the, the hill song. The, the, yeah, right. Right. The passion. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it, this is the thing. This is the thing. Um, but then there was always this undercurrent of like independent underground stuff that was happening that never really got big. Sometimes it did. You know, John Mark McMillan was is an example of that. An underground guy who just exploded, right? Uh, yeah, what did he sing? <laughs> How He Loves. Remember that song? No, you're going to have to sing it for me. Remember, I am not in this world. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, uh, What's he the refrain? loves us, oh, how he loves us. You remember that song? Are you vague, vaguely familiar? I'm sure oh. listeners, though, are like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that song, yeah. It was like, it was a, well, 10 years ago, maybe more. I think, maybe really? Oh, man. Here, I thought it was new. No, no. And it was like, a, I think Bethel, one of the Bethel bands uh, made it big. Oh, okay. It, it was like this underground, charismatic sort of guy who would yeah. play in churches and play in bars. So he was and one Canadian. of Canadian, you know, um, he, American, American. Okay. Um, part of the morning star church movement back, uh, you know, like 20 years mm-hmm. ago. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, this really cool movement happening in the States where things were changing and getting a little bit cooler and a little bit deeper and actually asking questions and actually leaving space for doubt and uh, space for lament. And so, it never got big. It never really broke the surface, except for a couple artists. Now, flash forward to Canada, where we are now. I think we are kind of in that space. Where now there's this really cool undercurrent of musicians and artists and, and pastors or ex-pastors who are just sick of it all. They're just, they want a new expression. They want to get away from trying to fit the CCM box. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're learning. I mean, they're not getting it right. And that's fine, um, but they're trying. So instead of instead of people trying to hit the target of American Christian music, mm. they're Just like boring as hell. So this is the thing. Yeah. And so now they're like, you know what? You know what? Let's just try and develop our own sound, way apart, like as far away removed as we possibly can be from that CCM crap. And I mean, people are failing. I'm failing. Everybody's failing at it. But for me, I'm like, who cares? At least we're moving away. At least we're trying to find our own voice. Mm. At least we're trying to say something new. At least we're trying to fill all the voids we find in our mm. hymn books or in our worship mm. catalogs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, for me, is the biggest thing. Why is so, it failure, though? Um, you said it was failure. We're yeah, failing. it's a failure because we're still. it's hard to remove ourselves from um, what we've been taught for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Because um, we've been taught that a worship song sounds like this. It feels like this. It needs to be U2 Coldplay with a modern indie dance uh, beat. You and so you, you're saying you're incrementally shifting. This is music now, but incrementally yeah. shifting the music. Yeah. How's that? That's not a failure. Like, whose failure are we talking about? Okay. Okay. Fa- okay. So that's not a failure. Fa- that is incremental shifts of, of reimagination, as if you're going to just get it in a 180. And, and you're right. Okay. So I guess failing because it's kind of like, not because it sucks, but we haven't hit the mark. We haven't hit the juicy spot yet. Well, and, you would not even know if what's juicy. But we'll, we'll I bet you there. wouldn't know until you until yeah. after you hit it. And that's a thing. 
give yourself some grace, man. You're going to pave down that path. That's not a failure, man. People have got to roll down that path to get there. That is part of the process. You're a creator. You know that. I, I get it, man. I get it. And so this is good. Like, yeah, like you're right. And this is good. Like, so I'm excited for the first time in a long time. I'm like, oh my gosh, is, is there hope? Something's I think happening. there is. Yeah. Something's happening. So That's I mean, a, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. So we have to take a step back here. Cause I really want to unpack and, and I've done this too worship and by worship in the mainstream context and, and we're coming out of evangelicalism here folks and so we're going to we'll skip out most of the mainline traditions and worship means music singing yeah that's right uh, it doesn't mean anything else in, in nothing the mainstream. Else, that's it's right. just uh sing contemporary songs um what else would it be repeatedly yeah and the worship pastors really don't do i mean if you're a big church and you're lucky you might have a skit around Christmas and Easter. Um, people really enjoy skits. Oh my God. I love amateur theater myself. Oh, jeez. Let's talk about this deconstruction of Christian worship, though. Because, like I said, you you were the height, man. Now, what did you say? 12? Yeah, yeah. 12 Dove Awards. And I'm just like, who has 12 Dove Awards? Michael W. Smith? Well, he's not Canadian, but he would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you were ro- must have been rolling in this game for a number of years. Dude. So take us, take take me back. Back into time. Take us back oh, to God. when, because music, I would, I would assume, has always kind of been your thing. It's been in your blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then meandering through white evangelical spaces, when did it hit you that I could be up there? I feel that calling, as it were, <laughs> see air quotes, the calling to go and lead this thing as a, as a worship leader. Oh my God. When did the switch flip? <sighs> we need to start because that, then it's going to make sense when it all comes crashing down. Oh, that, that's, too, that's too much. I mean, it come crashing down. I got you. It I came got you. burning to the ground. There it is. There no, it is. that's that's... Close, Still that's too close. much. That's close enough. Yeah, yeah. It unceremoniously dumped on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, before I got into like church music stuff, I was doing like the bars and the clubs and. Oh, so you were older. Uh, I was like, I didn't really. There was no place for me when I was a kid at all. But I'm talking like 16, like late teens, because okay. I didn't see a place for me. I did not see a place for me in any kind of Christian music world. You were not playing anything yeah, in I was, church at that time? Yeah, I was doing church stuff, and I was leading yeah. worship, and because, you know, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, um, but that wasn't like, I'm going to, Yeah, this is my thing. No, no, I was like, this, you know what, this is, for me, it was very much, this sounds so ridiculous now, but it was very much oh, like, like hey, how, I, I can serve in this way. You know, I can, I can, I can serve my church in this way. I can play instruments. I you did not sing. think that, or you did? I did, I did. Oh, yeah. And so it was okay. very much kind of like I, I. This is not what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but I can I can help right now. I can help. Okay. Serve, I can, okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, because um, I remember like these like albums like Petra Praise. You know what I'm saying? I remember. Um, I don't know what you're uh, saying. Uh, the but, old. Yeah. Oh, dude, dude! When you get a chance, Google Petra Praise and just laugh. Just have a good laugh, man. 
it's my gift to you. Girl band? They are um they are one of CCM's oldest rock bands from back in the day. They were kind of like one of the biggest Christian okay. rock bands. They're familiar. Um they were like uh they were they bigger than jars of clay. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's it. Uh, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You'll have I'm a good just gonna put Petra, a little clip of Petra in right now. Well, I don't care what some may say. Oh dude, dude. <laughs> It, it was amazing. I actually did a festival a couple of years ago with a couple of the guys from Petra and I just, I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, here I am with these guys. And it was everything. And it was everything I ever wanted it to be. They say, <laughs> don't meet your, beat your heroes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Meet your heroes and have a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like together or at them? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I won't. I won't, I won't okay. say, yeah, I won't yeah. answer that question. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I did the church. Yeah, so we did the church thing. It was fine, whatever. But I, like, I really listening to, um, without my mom finding out, listened to a lot of mainstream music. So I loved mm. what was coming out of Seattle at the time, what was happening um, over and over in the UK at the time. I loved, mm-hmm. like, trip-hop and, like, the, the, the like really smart hip-hop. I love that stuff. I love the grunge stuff. I love that. I love what was happening in, in the folk world. I love what was happening, um, especially in, in Toronto area. Like DJ culture was becoming really, really big. And so um, I had my cousin was a, was in the scene. So I was able to check out all the cool sh- shows and underground shows. And I was like, huge, huge DJ head. And so I love this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I can't do any of this stuff in the church. Hmm. Um. And uh, when I was in university and I was playing in bands and traveling around doing you know, music stuff actually full time, you know, this is when I was like 21 or so, um, I was like, yeah, I think there's not only is there no place for me in the church, hmm. but actually I'm now the enemy because I'm not using my gifts. Oh, please. In- you heard that? Oh, yes. Oh, man. Oh, because well, you stayed up past 11 on a Saturday night. You're coming home at 2 a.m. Nothing good happens after 2. Oh, God. Um, And so, uh, yeah, there was never any place for me. It wasn't until um, I felt like I needed some kind of spiritual grounding. And I was like, maybe I should go back into church world for a bit. And that's when I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to serve because I play everything loud and fast. <laughs> mm. um, I don't know where my place is. And so I started just sort of doing the acoustic guitar, piano thing. I'm like, okay, I'll try this. Um, and even that, it was sort of like a different sound, not what they're used to. And uh, I remember one Sunday I played my electric guitar at a church I was, I was hanging out at with some friends. And I remember all the young folk would be like, dude, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. You should play every Sunday. And I remember the youth pastors coming to me and saying, that will never happen. <laughs> um, that, like, I don't think you'll be allowed to play here ever again. A month later, a band from the UK called Delirious broke out in North America. Mm. And that's when I found my, my place. Mm. I'm like, 
I sound like that. Mm. That's my sound. Mm-hmm. That kind of, you know, U2, Britpop kind of thing. That's my guitar sound. I can do that stuff. Oasis, like that was, I loved, guitar-wise, I loved um, the Britpop sound. It was just because you can do anything. <laughs> uh, American rock was kind of like distortion and four chords. Where Britpop, you can play like one note, throw it through a bunch of pedals, reverse it, <laughs> you know, sample it, right? Put a drum beat behind it grab a DJ and, and you sound like a bread pop band. And for me, it, it, it allowed me to kind of include all my loves of hip hop and rock and soul and R and B and jazz. Mm-hmm. And it still be okay. How does that open the door now into church world? Because people, um, when Delirious came over, there was a new move of like, let's find the, the new fresh sound. So, so all of a sudden there was a band back in the day called the David Crowder band. And they were like, you know, like three guitars, a violin and a DJ. Um, and a really good DJ, mind you, like real, like everybody had like a little DJ kit, you know, beside their guitars. They're all doing like loops and, and it was great. Um, and so the, as the sound began to sort of change, churches were kind of like, we want this. And I'm like, I'm your guy. Because this is actually what I've been doing for years. And so I actually started going to different churches um, and actually helping them um, modernize their sound a bit. Um, teaching you know, the, instrument, instrument, uh, the, the players and the instrument, instrumentalists like how to play like the edge or play like this drummer or play like that or um, um, showing them some of the new songs they, they weren't you know, accustomed to. You, know? you were consulting then. Yeah, which was great. So you're uh, in university still? I think I was a year out. And I was actually in Bible college at the time. So you went to university to Bible college? Yeah. Now, mind you, I dropped out of university. To go straight into Bible college. Well, okay. So um, I was in university, but the band that I was playing with started playing like a lot. And so I was away for months at a time because I was, we were traveling. Um, was this so, band you too? Uh, yes. Makes no, sense. I, I wish though. That'd be amazing. Um, is it Petra? And so I was like, I can either drop out or flunk out. I better not flunk out. The school was still pretty important to me. Mm. Um, and so I dropped out. Luckily, my grades were still okay. Um, and the plan was, yeah, after these few tours, I would just jump back into school. Then I just never did. Um, and then when I realized that, man, I need to get back into some sort of spiritual groundings place. And I also need a spiritual community. Like I need to be in community somehow. And I didn't know anybody. I moved back to, I was living in Ottawa. I moved back to Toronto. I didn't know anybody in Toronto. And so I was like, Bible college, that'll solve that problem. That'll provide a community. It'll provide some spiritual support and um, it helped me sort of find my grounding again. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I started doing a consulting thing and, uh, and that was great. Um, and then there was a, a band, um, sorry, there was actually a ministry that was happening here in Toronto and they did a really good job of pulling in musicians from all different churches. So if you're a Baptist, Pentecostal, United, doesn't matter. As long as you're good, you can play black, white, Asian, you know, man, woman, doesn't matter. Like they didn't care about any of that. Are you good? You're in. And so the sound was this amazing mix of hip hop, rock, soul, heavy rock, um, 
like ballads and it worked and we did an album together and it was like we dropped samples we tried to change the samples up a little more because we don't get sued by record companies but uh we sampled you know other acts it was funky it was fun we rocked out it was powerful and that was sort of like the that was the moment for me i was like okay this might be something that I would want to do in the future. Because um, one thing I knew is, is, is I didn't want to do the rock, not, not the rock, I didn't want to do like the look at me, I'm a rock star thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel, I don't have the ego for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being in the background. I love it. Love it. Matter of fact, if there was like uh, a singer and that singer needed like a guitar player, you know, to help write songs and to play, That'd be my perfect spot. Awesome. I just didn't have the "Hey, everybody, look at me" kind of attitude that you kind of need to. Have, that I thought that you needed to have. Mm-hmm. Um. So this is. I'm like, this is great. We're doing these worship songs. We're doing it in a fresh way. We're super creative, very intentional. I'm playing with some of the best players I've ever played with, and playing in a ministry that has like over two thousand kids coming out every week. I'm in. Let's do this. <laughs> so that's the start. That was the start. And then you meander. That's when that's when they drew you into the world. Yeah. And you meander in so a white evangelical context is was is that accurate? Yes, completely. And you're getting paid to do some work with yeah. the things that you love. Yes. Did you become, um, so that kind of sounds like a parachurch ministry to youth and consulting. Did Completely. you become a youth, uh, rather a, a worship pastor or yes. leader of, of churches or a church? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. That, yes. Okay. But that, you make it sound like it was a pain in your backside. You know what? It was. It was actually good. The problem is... Many people, many a few t- different churches hired me because they wanted to bring in something fresh. They wanted something new. They wanted to grow the church um, in terms of the arts, in terms of worship. Um, but really, no church actually ever wants that. <laughs> right when you said it, I was like, do they really? Yeah. And so I'm like, great. That's like, that's what I'm good at. That's what I've always been doing. My consulting thing, like, it's in my artistry. It's always been like, let's do the new thing. Of course, let's do it in a way that can really get caught up. Like the, that, our congregation, our people can really lean into and get for sure. Take all the slow steps you need for sure. But let's always aim them towards the new, the new expression, the fresh expression. Let's. If that's what mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. That's what we got to do. Mm-hmm. And then, how that go? They didn't want that. So you, how many times did you do that? Uh, three. By the third time, were you thinking to yourself, wait a minute? Maybe I'm the... <laughs> oh, no, not you. Maybe <laughs> they don't know. Like, if you want to pay me for a year or two, but do you know what's really going to happen? Right. Dude, there was a church... Um actually out your way I won't, I won't name any names that wanted to hire me big church an amazing church it would have been fantastic it would have been great but then i was like 
hold on. I've been here before. Just so, wait a tick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, okay, so are you sure that what you're looking for is the new, new, the fresh, fresh, you know, the bomb, you know, is that really what you want? The bomb who? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, oh, of course we do. Of course we do. Of course. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, imagine it looking compl- like total opposite of what we have right now. Ima- just imagine that. Mm. Is your first reaction as like, a, oh my gosh? Or is it a, okay, we tried. Let's do something different. What what is what is the opposite of that? I don't know. The opposite would be like ACDC playing Hell's Bells on a on a whatever with like pyrotechnics everywhere. (laughs) Right. And for me, I'm like, no, we tried. It failed. Okay, let's try something different. That'll be my attitude. You know? I mean, not that we would actually let it go that far, but like I think it's okay to try and to fail. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What you want, you know, you want to, you know what I'm saying? You want to know that, Hey, you know what? That sucked, bro. (laughs) And you need to fail. You need to fail through the process of rediscovery and reimagination, but failure is not something that's in our lexicon. That's right. There it is. There it is. That's right. That's right. I got to drop that word. Um, And so it's true. We can't handle it in anything. Personal failures, structural failures, you just got to just keep on talking about how things can stay the same. Oh, right. So, the so third anyway, time, I walked away. I walked, oh, no, yeah, I walked away. I walked away. From that job. Yeah. And the funny thing is the person that they hired was almost kept it exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and there we go. You're basically there explaining like every single church hire <laughs> in, in known existence. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Like the very few churches actually bringing someone to change everything up and and survive, you're, you're going right. to lose half your people for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I mean, is that a bad thing? <laughs> Drew Brown, thanks so much. That's part one, and the second part is going to be more in tune with the call to racialized justice. So we're going to switch gears and come off the worship music conversation and into one about anti-blackness that seems pertinent to our world right now. And Drew has a few things to share and we're going to continue what is, honestly, this is one of the funnest conversations on the podcast I've had. So hope you've enjoyed. Get into episode two of this two-parter coming up right now. 